0: You're listening to the Jubilee Montreal podcast. Jubilee Montreal is a Christian church located in downtown Montreal that exists to share the good news as a spiritual family for holistic transformation. For more information on Jubilee Montreal, visit us online at www.jblmontreal.org. great to see you guys and be with you. I bring you greetings from Vineyard Montreal, three blocks away. We are worshiping together, but in different locations today. How's that? Um, I was thrilled when Michael asked me if I wanted to maybe come and uh, speak to you. Um, Just because, and then I said, well, what would you like me to speak on? So he gave me a variety of of passages that I could pick from. And the first one was like one of my favorite all-time passages so I picked that one. And the one that's been really just ruminating through my mind and my spirit lately. So uh, I hope to share that with you and let we can walk through it together. Sound like a plan? Yes. Um, so Holy Spirit, we just invite you here. Come and be our teacher. Come and teach us. Speak to us. Teach us how to listen to your voice, to, your, to learn your ways, to see what you are doing. And to align ourselves with you. Come encourage us. Come work in in us. Transform us. Come and love on us. Increase our capacity to love you. We thank you for your goodness, which is always around us and in us. This is your time. We set it apart for you. We set ourselves apart for you. Thank you for your nearness always. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. So, the word that we're thinking about today is consider. Uh, It actually comes from, let's do a little Greek study. Why not, right? You're all ready for that, right? Yes, okay. So, um, the word consider isn't found that frequently in the New Testament, but uh, it's, come, it's kata noeo, which is the Greek, and it comes from two words being combined, kata, meaning down, and noeo, which means think, understand, perceive, consider. So kata is kind of like a intensifier. It's intensifying this word. So if you would think, you know, let's dig deep here, right? That's kind of what it's talking about. And if we just want to look at the, the expanded, kind of the amplified... Uh, definition here to take note of to consider carefully to discern to detect to make account of to contemplate that's a good one spend some time really just letting that sit in uh, in your body in your mind to fix one's thinking on so we're going to consider some things today is that okay and they're going to be good things because Jesus asked us to consider them so I think we can we can trust that there will be good things to consider. Let's do a little bit of talking about epistemology. Why not? <laughs> Let's say it all together. Epistemology. epistemology. Uh, I was in the car this morning with Dini. He goes, what is that word you're talking about again today? Epistemology. You can impress your friends if they don't know what this is. Go. Oh, yeah, we're talking about epistemology today. You know. So epistemology, what is that? It's basically... Um, The theory of knowing, or how we know things. So how do we learn? In school, oh, I've given you all the answers up there. No fair. So how do we learn? We're in a university. How do you learn in university? I've spent a lot of years in university. I love it. But how do you learn in university? Lectures, Lectures, very good. Yeah, so uh, an expert telling you what they know, sharing their knowledge. What else? How do you learn in school? Books, Books, reading. Very important. Depends what discipline you're in, but in the humanities especially, you do a lot of reading. Synthesizing. Synthesizing. making connections, putting things together. That's really good, yeah. Homework. Supposedly, you're supposed to learn from your homework. Writing. That's very important in, uh, in the humanities as well. You learn by writing about something, doing research. Listening. Listening. That's good. Sorry, what was that? Experience. Experience. Oh, you're jumping ahead. Good answer. Uh, in the modern world, reason is very, very important. Facts, something that's verifiable, we can prove it. Uh, if you do this, if you do A, B happens. That's really, uh, in our modern world, is very much reliant on reason. But these are all very good ways of learning, but they're not the only ways. So we've already had someone say experience. That's really important. Uh, let's say if I would say, how do you know if this coffee is good coffee or not. Read a textbook. No. Have an expert tell you. Well, maybe. You want to taste it. You want to experience. That's how you you would learn if that's a good coffee or not. Revelation is really important, especially uh, when we're talking about spiritual things. God reveals himself to us. If he did not, we would not know anything about God because by ourselves we can't access God. God, as a gift, of sheer generosity reveals himself to us. Same thing with another person. Let's say Elodie. I can't get to know Elodie really, really well unless she reveals herself to me. This is how relationships work. We give ourselves to someone else. Participation. How are you going to learn to be a really good surgeon? Read a book, watch an expert, and now I'm an expert. I'm just going to operate on you. You have to. Uh, Practice and and uh, be under a mentor, actually practicing some skills and developing some skills. So participating also helps us learn. Encounter, kind of what I was talking about before. You have to if you travel, you encounter a lot of new things that help you learn. That's how you learn. So anyway, just a just a, a kind of a background in how are the different ways that we learn. And actually, I don't want to shoot myself in the foot here, but the 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 Someone standing up here and speaking to a whole bunch of people listening and kind of moving in and out of consciousness or or, uh, attentiveness is probably one of the least effective ways of learning. So I'll try and engage you a bit more than that. Is that okay? Um, Oh, Just briefly, uh, Joseph Natalhau, I actually went to a lecture in Concordia uh, about a week and a half ago. He was speaking about the Cree ways of learning. And he says, we're four-bodied people mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual. And um, in his lecture, air quotes here, what he did was tell random stories and anecdotes, sing and play his drum. That was his lecture. But what's interesting is is through that, we kind of learned his life story a little bit. When he was six years old, he's from Saskatchewan. When he was six years old, he was taken away from his family. And his community put in an Anglican residential school and he spent the next 13, 12, 13 years of his life there. And he was stripped of everything that he knew to become a good Canadian, European Canadian, so to speak. Anyway, our shameful history in Canada that we're learning to own up to and and try to bring healing to. But when he was 19, he returned to his community. He did not know the language. He didn't know the culture. He didn't know any of the traditions. He was basically a foreigner coming in. So he had to relearn everything. And he said, I learned it not by reading a textbook, not by listening to the experts, not by doing homework. I learned it by living in the community and absorbing everything that they had to teach me. So, the way of knowing, the way that Cree, the Cree way of knowing, was actually how he had to relearn his culture. And he sang, you know, a beautiful song, and he said, When I first heard these songs, they all sounded the same to me. And I had to learn that these are actually very different songs that say very different things. But at first, I couldn't make that differenti- differentiation. So, the way of learning, basically, that's my whole point of all of this, is what we learn is related to how we learn it. So what we, re- what we learn about God is related to how we learn it. So if all we ever do is read about God and read theologians and listen to people talk about God, we will tend to think of God as very cerebral, as some, a thinking God, a reasoning God, a God who has good ideas, right? Very smart God, because that's how we learned about God. If we learn about God in a different way, like an emotional way, which is great to connect that emotionally, we might have a very narrow view of God that is very emotional. God's angry today. Oh, God's happy today. You know, these kinds of things. Or God's very patient. Oh, God's not. God's impatient today. Right? Just because that's how we learn, that's how we felt, God. So it's important that uh, how we learn is, that we be careful how we learn about God and try to make that a little broader, than just one narrow way of learning. So we learn about the creator from creation. We learn about the father through the son. So we learn about the relational part of God through seeing a relationship in action and through participating in that relationship. I won't be talking too much about that, but I want to talk more about the creator and the creation. We learn about a God who creates, who brings things into being, who transforms by looking at what he's already done and is doing. So let's start with beauty. Why would we start with beauty? Wouldn't we start with, oh, I don't know, a description or uh, Genesis 1 or uh, beauty? And we just have a, a quote here. And uh, this is actually a quote from me. I'm sorry. But uh, it's because um, I couldn't, I didn't find a pl- a think something to quote von Balthasar, but it's based on von Balthasar. Anyway, here's a quote. Beauty is something which attracts us, causes us delight, and captures our attention. When one stands before a great work of art, the concern is not first about what sort of paint the artist used or the exact measurements of the canvas. I hope not. Maybe if you're another artist, it might be. One simply takes it in. One lets the beauty of the work saturate the senses and speak to the soul. Hans Urs von Balthasar, he's a Swiss theologian, suggests that doing theology is like gazing upon a masterful work of art. And I really like that. In other words, theology is not primarily an intellectual exercise. Like Moses, who was mesmerized by the burning bush, Our first task in theological encounter is not to question, but to stop and wonder. So that's why he's saying beauty is the first word in theology. It's not knowledge. first thing we want to do is not know certain things about God. The first thing you want to do when you encounter God is stop and wonder. And this is why most churches spend a good amount of time in worship before we do anything else, because it makes us stop and wonder before our mind engages with all the questions and worries and concerns that we have and problems we have to figure out, we just stop and wonder at this amazing God. Oh, what is beauty? That's my little footnote cue. When we're talking about beauty, sometimes on on the right is a picture of a flower right outside my front door. I know it's kind of dark on this, that I took last week because it's just so warm outside, the flowers are still out. So what is beauty? We all have different ideas of what beautiful is, right? And I just want to take a little bit of time to to talk about what beauty is within theology, within our Christian faith, in that it's not just what is pleasing to our eyes. Beauty is actually based on Jesus. So it's based in the weak and the humble, Beauty embraces all of that. Beauty embraces great, wonderful miracles and beautiful teachings and healing and feeding of many people. But beauty also includes suffering and death and resurrection. So I just want to make sure that our our idea of beauty is not just, ooh, that looks nice. I think that's symmetrical and pleasant. The colors are pleasant. Beauty is actually whatever is infused with love. Because you can look at a person and say, you are beautiful. And another person would go, really? Like their eyes kind of crooked or that's not working. And I go, none of that matters. <laughs> and I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry, I pick someone else. <laughs> but I wanted to say, you are beautiful. But that's because there's love. Something is infused in love. And when you look at something, you go, that's beautiful. And that's what I think the creator sees when he looks at all creation. He says, this is good. This is beautiful because I have infused it with my love. That's why it's beautiful. Not because of anything in itself, but because I have given it goodness. So I just wanted to clarify that thing about beauty. So I like to go for walks. This is actually a picture of my neighborhood last week. And what do you see? Tell me the elements that you see here in this walk picture from my walk. Water, Water. yeah. Cool. You guys are good. Sorry. Buildings. Buildings and there's some under construction on the right hand side. I know it's a bit hard, to, a bit dark. What else do you see? The Rule of thirds. Composition. Thank you. The sky. The sky. Sorry. What else? I said creation. Creation. Yeah. I'll tell, it's if... Sunlight. sunlight. Yeah, it's off there somewhere. So that's, um, there are ducks, uh, and there are also Canada geese in there. And you see some of those white parts? That's actually, it's just their butts sticking out because they've put their uh, heads in the water and they're nibbling on some food down there. It was amazing. I was seeing them feeding. So that's just their butt sticking there. It means they're having snacks. And on the side, I don't know if you can see, there's lots of grass. On the side. So when I go for walks, this is very often the scripture that runs through my mind when I go for these walks. Because I go on these walks and I just stop and wonder. Really, I go on these walks and I go, Oh my oh, ooh, I'm ooing and eyeing the whole time. I'm just I don't know, I just find it so amazing. So this is the scripture that I'm going to be just... We are going to be just looking at briefly together. And uh, I'll read it. Oh, before that, before we get to this. And this, some of this is very familiar scriptures. But let's just back up a bit, and, and I'll tell you, these are the, the stories that Jesus told right before he gets to this, which makes this make a little more sense. So, um, he's, uh, so a person comes to him, and he says, Jesus... You know, I'm about to get an inheritance, but I think my brother is cheating me, and I'm not going to get my full inheritance. Can you talk to him and make sure that he gives me what's coming? I need to get what's mine from this inheritance, and I I think he's going to rip me off. And Jesus says, you better check that greedy little attitude. You know, and who am I to tell you this? You know, don't be concerned about these possessions. Let me tell you a story, this is Jesus saying. Let me tell you a story. There was a man... He had lots and lots of crops. His crops were doing extremely well. And he only had tiny little barns. He goes, I can't store all this stuff here. So he goes, I'm going to rip down these small barns. Big, huge barns is what I will build. I'm going to store all that surplus grain and everything in there. Going to fill them up to the brim. I am set for life. It's like the uh, ancient version of the bank. My big storehouse full of grain. I'm set for life. I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry. And then Jesus says, he didn't know that God said, your time is done, you die tonight. What good did that whole barn full of grain do you? You're focused on the wrong things. And then he goes and talks about this. This is why I keep telling you not to worry about anything in life, about what you'll eat, about how you'll clothe your body. Life is more than food, and the body is more than fancy clothes. Think about, this is the word here, consider. Consider closely, take note of, discern, contemplate, understand fully. It means take a little bit of time with this. Don't just go, oh yeah, I know that, I see that. Take, stop and wonder. The, those crows flying over there, do they plant and harvest crops? Do they own silos or barns? Referring to the man in the previous story. Look at them fly. It looks like God is taking pretty good care of them, doesn't it? Remember that you are more precious to God than birds. Which one of you can add a single hour to your life? Again, referring to that story right beforehand. This man thought he had a whole long life to enjoy, his huge storehouse of grain. He said, no, he's not in charge of how long his life is. Or 18 inches to your height by worrying really hard. If worry can't change anything, then why do you do it so much? And I'll confess, just last night I was lying in bed, about to go to sleep, worrying about how's that talk going to go tomorrow. And I thought, that's ridiculous. I'm doing the exact thing I'm talking about tomorrow. It's very easy, isn't it, to worry. So let's consider the crow for a minute, shall we? I didn't bring a crow. (laughs) though it would have been nice, though. I do have a splash of toothpaste on my shoe, which could act as crow droppings, if you want to imagine that, if you need a visual to help you. Um. So consider the crow. And let's just stop and wonder at the crow for a bit, Okay? Jesus asked us, to. I think it's cool. Crows gather in large communal roosts, especially near large food sources, like garbage dumps or shopping malls. Uh, When you think of crows, an equivalent might be the seagull, Um, What do you think of crows? Do you think of, look at those beautiful creatures made by God? Or do you think, what a nasty bunch of scavengers. Get away. What do you think? A or B? A? B. Yeah, we kind of do. And I think maybe that's why Jesus picked the crow and said, don't just dismiss the crow. Let's think about it. They're communal. They gather as we are here this morning. Lifespan. I was surprised. 20 to 30 years. And the oldest one in captivity, fifty-nine years. What? I know. Could have outlived the people taking care of him or her. Crows are often observed at play, which is a sign of intelligence. They're actually one of the most intelligent birds there is. And one of, one of the things they'll play is chicken. <laughs> so they'll become flying at each other and whoever moves first, haha, you're lower in the pecking order. It's games they play. Who knew? Well, now you do. Uh, They have a variety of calls. So can we all communally make a... What what call does the crow make? Caw, caw. That's good. But it, it, uh, it just sounds like they make one sound, doesn't it? Caw, caw. They actually have a quite complex vocabulary that means many different things. And they've actually been known to answer other species of birds. So they can... Speak other languages. They're bilingual. <laughs> Who knew? Crows. Stop and wonder. <coughs> counting crows, not just a band. No. I don't know if anybody knows that band, oh, counting yeah. crows. Crows have actually been proven that they can count. Now, how would you prove this? Well, a farmer was very clever. Uh, well, he's trying to get rid of the crows because they want to eat his crops. Crows are hungry, too. So they want to eat his crops, and he, goes to, he has a hunting blind, so you go in there, you kind of like hide, so they can't see you, the crows, and he goes there with his shotgun, and he's just going to chase the crows away. But as soon as he goes into his hunting blind, the crows leave. They know he's there. And as soon as he leaves the hunting blind, they all come back and snack on the wheat or whatever. He goes, this is so frustrating, they know I'm there. I know what I'll do, get a friend of mine, two of us will go in, Well, he'll leave, crows will think I left, and I'm there. Nope. Crows went, oh, two guys went in, just one went out. Nope, not going, not going to be there. He's going to, the guy's still in there. Well, let's invite a few more friends. He invi- at 17, the crows finally lost count. 17 people had to come, 16 had to leave before the crow was, I lost count. I would lose count at 17. <laughs> this is how smart the crows are. Not very good for the farmer, but this is how smart the crows are. Crows, we just already talked about the games. They have episodic memory, which means from season to season. If they've hide, hid food somewhere, they'll know where that is. I don't remember where I left something a couple of months ago. <laughs> they remember. Um, they're very adaptable. You find them in different parts of the <coughs> different locations. They'll have slightly different uh, habits that they'll have uh, for getting food and how they, different ways they interact. They will make tools to search for food. So uh, they'll say, Oh, breadcrumbs, you're feeding me breadcrumbs. I'm going to use that to bait some fish and get some fish. They'll bend twigs or flatten out grass or anything. I'm going to get that little insect in there. So they, u- they use tools to get their food. They're, they are also scavengers, they'll eat basically anything. Which, you know, are you thankful that there is a garbage in this room or in your kitchen? Yes, otherwise it would just be garbage everywhere if you didn't have a place to put it. Nature's garbage cleaner. They pick up the garbage. Oh, they can also distinguish facial features on humans. I don't know. I just read that and I put that in there. I have no idea what that means, but crows are smart. Stop and wonder. So when Jesus says, consider the crows, he's not just saying, don't worry. saying stop and think about this how much care has God taken to create this particular bird so they can take care of themselves they can live in a community they can play they can eat anything they're hardy, right think about how God has created them to really be able to exist and flourish why are you worried (coughs) about being able to flourish and live well. You're way bigger than a crow. You're way more complex than a crow. You're more like you're created in the image of God. Look at the crow. This should encourage you how attentive God is. Let's keep going. Think about those beautiful wild lilies growing over there. They don't work up a sweat toiling for needs or wants. They don't worry about clothing. Yet the great King Solomon never had an outfit that was half as glorious as theirs. Lady Gaga, maybe. I don't know. Just kidding. Uh, Look at the grass growing over there. One day it's thriving in the fields. The next day it's being used as fuel. If God takes takes such good care of such transient things, How much more you can depend on God to care for you, weak in faith as you are. Don't reduce your life to the pursuit of food and drink. Don't let your mind be filled with anxiety. People of the world who don't know God pursue these things. But you have a Father caring for you, a Father who knows all your needs. God knows all the needs of that crow and already made provision just in creating the crow that it could... Take care of itself. Sustain its life. God knows so much more what your needs are. Let's, so let's consider the lily. Uh, it's kind of dark, but squint. Look, look closely. That's a wild lily in the redwood forest in California. <coughs> and we're just going to take 20 seconds to consider it, to stop and wonder. Is that Okay. I'm going to give you some homework, maybe, if you want. I'm not going to talk about the lily anymore. It's just, it's just pretty. You're just going to look, right? But if you want to, go do some homework on some flowers. Find out how God made them. Consider them. Be amazed. Let's consider the grass. I must admit, I am absolutely enthralled with grass. I brought some grass. This is uh, from one of my walks. This is right near my house. I've counted at least four or five types of grass right near my house. And this is one of my favorites. This is from the stuff growing along beside the the pond. And uh, it's just a big, furry, fun ball of goodness. Anyway, I'll pass that around. Why not? And I don't care if it breaks or does anything. I got more where that came from. So let's consider the grass. Some of you might have seen this. Picture on the right is a cross-section of a single blade of grass. So they cut it and they put it under a microscope. What do you see? Smiley faces. <laughs> yes. Um, grass is actually hollow. You'll see that if you, you take a look at that. Grass is actually hollow, uh, but all along the edge there's all these little, uh, I don't, I'm not a botanist, so I don't know any of this, um, these little, I don't know, fingers or something, and then these, there are these little tubes. This is where the, it draws all the water up through the stem of the grass, to bring the nutrients and to help it to grow. And the, the water channels are shaped like smiley faces. Isn't that cool? Grassland take about 40, up about 40% of uh, the land. And only Antarctica and parts of uh, inside of Greenland where you won't find grass. Everywhere else, there is grass. A city, Dean was saying, well, where isn't there grass? I thought, well, we live in a city. You know, Can you see grass from where you are right now? I can. You probably can't. Grasses, Poaceae, another word if you want to impress your friends, Poaceae. This is the scientific name for grasses. Are the most economically important plant, plant family on this earth. So they provide food. So anything that you eat your cereals, corn, wheat, rice, barley, millet, is all classified as grass. Because there's a big, long stem, and then there's flowers or seeds at the top. And those, that's what we harvest and we eat. It's forage and building materials, bamboo, thatch, straw, all used as building materials. Uh, not so much in North America, but different parts of the world. Very important building materials. And food for animals. This is what cows and sheep. Horses, cats. My cat used to eat grass as well. Uh, but this is what animals eat, so it's part of the life, life cycle, a life uh, chain of life. Very, very important, grasses. Grasses grow from the base and not from the stem. So any time grass is growing, it all comes through the base. It's never growing from the top, which is why you can mow grass and you won't kill it why sheep can graze grass, and it'll just grow anymore, because the growth is always coming from the bottom up. And I I already talked about grass stems are hollow, so that's where all the water and nutrients come. And they're kind of self-sustaining. They provide their own food, photosynthesis. You all should have learned this in school, right? Converting light energy into chemical energy. And as their waste product, they go... Oh, I don't need oxygen, by the way. So, there you go, world. Have free oxygen. Isn't that nice of grass? (laughs) So, if we didn't have 40% grass, we probably would have a little bit of difficulty breathing. Stop and wonder. I love grass. I'm just amazed by it. It's the simplest thing. We walk on it, we think it, it, we walk past a lawn, and we, we think, oh, they should mow their lawn. That really looks messy. I think, are you kidding me? That is beautiful. I'm breathing right now because of that right there. Look at how it grows. You can chop it down and it'll just keep growing. Stop and wonder. And what did Jesus say? Look at that grass here today, maybe burned in a fire for fuel, a straw would be, or in different parts of the world, mown down because we don't think it's pretty. Look how wonderfully God created it with such attentiveness and such care. It's so important to our life. And it's so transient. How much more does God take care of us? Stop and wonder. And then we'll finish off with the last part here in Luke 12. Since you don't need to worry about security and safety about food and clothing, then pursue God's kingdom first and foremost, and these other things will come to you as well. My little flock of crows, maybe, I don't know. My little flock, don't be afraid. God is your father, and your father's great joy is to give you his kingdom. That means you can sell your possessions and give generously to the poor. You can have a different kind of savings plan, not like the farmer who said, I need to stockpile it all in my barn so that I have it. You have a different kind of savings plan, one that never depreciates, one that never defaults, one that can't be plundered by crooks or destroyed by natural calamities. Your treasure will be stored in the heavens. And since your treasure is there, your heart will be lodged there as well." And these are very familiar verses. I've chosen a different translation. It's the voice, just to give our ears a fresh listen. To how some of these things are, are, uh, are worded. But we've heard these a lot. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. And I think we sometimes have taken that out of the context and the seek first the kingdom of God is like just a commandment, a thing we need to do, willpower. Yes. Mm. And the message is actually the opposite, is sowing. Have you looked at flowers lately? Have you looked at grass lately? Are they seeking really hard the kingdom of God? No, they're relaxing... And enjoying being part of God's creation because God created them so wonderfully complex that they fit into the whole creation in a way that nothing else does. And they just be. Grass, it just is, is itself. And it makes life for everyone else. That's how generous grass is. So it's nothing we have to uh, seek first. It's like, it's almost like just sit into who God created you to be. Stop and wonder at the beauty of your life. This is what God has done. So consider. So the people Jesus is talking to are worried and obsessed. And I just admitted I was worried and obsessed last night a little bit. It happens to us every day. We've been talking about, you know, my Facebook feed is filled with... Uh, Grief and joy and arguments and all kinds of stuff from the new U.S. election. And I think, really? And then I just look at grass and I go, that's what I'm considering. And God's challenge to me has been, what are you considering? Are you considering the tumultuous events of the world, like the earthquake in New Zealand? That just happened. I don't think anyone was hurt. I think they're okay, but I haven't checked it lately. But are you, is this what you're considering? Or are you stopping and wondering that the beauty of God permeates everything? He will take care of things. So, making money. Are we worried about how I can avoid being cheated? Like that one uh, brother was. My brother's cheating me. Come on, I want to make sure I get fair, fair. Fair shake coming out of this deal. Are we worried? Do I have enough for the future? It's wise. I need a savings plan. And I'm not saying don't be wise, but this, what we're considering actually relates to or directly correlates to what we learn, right? So if I spend all my time considering what's happening in the U.S. right now, what am I learning? I'm not learning about the attentiveness and care of God. I'm learning about the worry of humanity. So the things we consider, kind of, they inform us. So making money, how do I know for the future? How do I get more? Is this something that we're considering? Um, And these are the the people that Jesus was talking to. This is just the context. They're concerned about food and drink, whether it's the purity laws. Should I eat this or shouldn't I eat this? Or do I drink this? Is that allowed or not? Or... Is this the best coffee or is it not? Or where's my next meal coming from if things are a bit tight? We're concerned about food and drink. Not that we shouldn't enjoy it. That the grass sure enjoys that water coming out. It's smiling when that water's drinking that water. About clothes, and again, it runs the whole gamut from what do we wear, do, how do I fit into society, do I look good, does this make my butt look big? Um, yes, it does? Okay. <laughs> no problem. I accept that, freely. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, this is what we are considering in our minds. We're giving space in our minds, yeah. And how do we fit into society? We're comparing. Oh, did I dress appropriately? Am I dressed better than that person or less important? Is this, you know, do they have something better than I do? Or again, if you're at the fringe of society, you know, do I have enough for new shoes for the winter? right these are things that take up our space in our in our heads in our minds in our life and jesus is saying don't let it take up all that space consider the flowers they're not thinking about it about safety and security and societal norms what gives my life meaning and that's not these are again good questions to ask what gives my life meaning I do a lot of thinking and contemplating. That's part of what I do as uh, a person who studies theology. I do a lot of reading and thinking. Uh, but every once in a while, I need to go outside and just look at grass and flowers and crows and say, this is the creator that created all of this. Get out of my head a little bit and just think about Laugh. I laugh when I look at grass. I just think it's the, f- the funnest thing ever. So Jesus is telling these people, listen, you're considering, you're stopping and thinking about all the wrong things. They're taking up all the space in your life about how to get more, how to make sure you fit into society, how to make sure that you look good in comparison to everyone else, and you haven't stopped and considered the sermon being preached by the grass right now on the care and attentiveness of God. You haven't stopped and listened to that flower beaming loudly at you saying look at the beauty look at how infused with love the love of god i am do you not see me preaching a sermon to you about the love and beauty of god so jesus tells these people and i would say and us as a larger audience to consider those things which declare the glory of god and this is what i feel when i sometimes go through all the news scrolls of everything. And again, news is notoriously about bad events. When I go through that, I think, you know what? This is not telling me about the glory of God. I really want to consider that more than anything else. Because that is true. That is good. That is lovely. That actually brings me life. So consider those things which declare the glory of God. All of creation speaks of God's extravagance. God's tender care, God's concern with details and his attention to the universe in all its complexities. And that's what is being spoken to us and shown shown us in creation. If we will just stop and look. If we'll take a look at that bird flying across and go, "Oh, yesterday, oh, I was on my way to the gym. We were driving and there's a it was a tall building and all these seagulls nasty scavengers that they are, they're playing, right? So off of this building, there must be an updraft or something, and they're just spreading their wings, and they're just, right, they're just sitting in one place on the building. And one bird actually, it's hard to describe. Let's say it would start right off, it just spread its wings, and it moved sideways, like just right across the building. It's catching that updraft, just going, whoa, look at me. I'm floating. And I looked at it, and I went, that's crazy. I can't do that. I would love to be able to do that. And I looked at the seagull and I went, you are a wonder, you are a marvel. God, you make really cool stuff. I and I've just felt full of life and joy because I saw a creature of God playing in the wind. So that's all. Oh, well, it's not all. Oh, there's more. More grass. Anyway, this is my last slide. So my little flock, don't be afraid. God is your father, and your father's great joy is to give you the kingdom. You know, the seek ye first the kingdom, hard work, got to work at it every day. What does it say here? Give you the kingdom. Seeking, just look in that direction. Look in that direction. He wants to give you the kingdom. And the kingdom's not riches. Jesus is plainly saying, kingdom's not riches. All these things will be added to you. I've heard that used as, you, do a, you follow God's rules, and God will give you riches. That's not what Jesus is talking about at all. I took this from Romans. For the kingdom of God is not food and drink, and I would say and not wealth, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's a gift. God wants to give that to us. If we just look in the direction of his glory all around us. So do not worry. Just say, nay, nay. <laughs> worry, nay, nay. Do not fear. Uh uh-uh. uh. And we sang about that. That was so cool this morning. Fear, no thank you. Consider. Take a look around you and go, okay, God, maybe I don't see your glory right now. Could you open my eyes? I want to see your kingdom. I want to see how you're giving it to me as a greatest gift. Thank you for listening to the Jubilee Montreal podcast. For more information on Jubilee Montreal, visit us online at www.jvlmontreal.org.